Welcome to NucleCast, the official podcast of the Amlaw Deterrence Our host is Dr. Adam Laufel, co-founder and vice president for research at the National Institute for Deterrence Studies. The Anwai Deterrence Center is a 501c3 organization ensuring a broader understanding of the nation's strategic nuclear deterrence and its ongoing modernization. Thank you for listening and welcome to the show. The views of the host and the guests are their own. Welcome back to another great episode of NuclearCast. Of course, I am your host, as always, Adam Lowther, and today we have Another great guest, as always. You know, all of our guests are great guests. But today we have Colonel Retired George Farfor, who is the Associate Dean of the School of Strategic Force Studies at the Air Force Institute of Technology. And the reason I had asked George to come on is because we wanted to talk about some of the educational initiatives that... The Air Force, Global Strike Command, AFIT, uh, Air University are are uh, undertaking to try and improve the nuclear knowledge of airmen and particularly strikers. Uh, and so AFIT, of course, if for those that may not know, the Air Force Institute of Technology is in many respects similar to the Naval Postgraduate School where you know, air, airmen, sailors, soldiers can come. And if, if you want to get a, a PhD in uh, nuclear engineering or aerospace engineering or a number of other areas, you can do that there and do practical work in, you know, potentially in a classified setting. So they have a great set of programs. But George has the specific portfolio of nuclear and he helps airmen become smarter on nuclear-related topics. So with, with that said, George, welcome to NucleCast. On behalf, on behalf of my boss, uh, Colonel Chris Landwehr, who's the, the dean of the School of Strategic Force Studies, I want to say thank you for, uh, for having me on and, and able to, to talk about this uh, very important aspect. The Chancellor of AFIT, uh, Dr. Jones, is a is a big advocate of our section, and you explained what I think a lot of people traditionally know as the the Naval Postgraduate School and AFIT, the Air Force Institute of Technology. What a, a lot of people don't know is the bigger throughput of AFIT is actually in its continuing education. It's not professional military education, which we're all very used to, PME, and it's not uh, technical education, which comes when you get awarded your Air Force specialty code. It's once you're there, you're continuing education. And um, the School of Strategic Force Studies under AFIT, along with several other AFIT schools, the Logistics School, um, uh, for example, uh, performs a lot of uh, um, continuing education for our airmen and uh, particularly strikers. You mentioned that. We'll, we'll talk about how that plays into it. But um, there was a need that was discovered after the 2007 incidents uh, that involved the Air Force missteps in the nuclear area. And some of the reports that came after that noted that there wasn't enough nuclear education in the Air Force. 
Now that report noted totally the Air Force PME. There was almost no existing continuing education to speak of. Certainly nobody monitored it. So AETC Air Education and Training Command took that on and then it's kind of solidified it even more in um, um, 2006 when um, some of the other reports started coming out. And as you know, there were multiple reports that came out, I'm sorry, in 2013, and then some more came out in 14. And then we had the test compromise issue uh, with the missileers and that start that uh, produced the Welch Harvey report, which the reason I mention all of that is because this was an evolving thing. First, there was nuclear, then there was uh, nuclear command control and communications, which came out of the Welch Harvey. Now, as you know, sir, you know, education's important, but nuclear education and continuing education in particular, we kind of, as we evolved in the School of Strategic Force Studies, we also included in that, now we're not here to talk about this, but we also included that uh, cyberspace. So we're responsible in the school for nuclear, nuclear command control and communication, and cyberspace continuing education. And um, four, three of our four departments deal with nuclear or NC3. And so as we've evolved, Adam, and I think you've seen this, and a lot of people have viewed this, we have evolved to more of that educational model where we're filling in and supplementing in a true continuing education role in uh, nuclear and nuclear command yeah. control and communication. Yeah, you bring up a good point because, you know, for, uh, for my, you know, I sort of came to the Air Force uh, to teach, uh, you know, in PME about the time all of the events happen. And that was one of my first assignments was looking at those. And so I've sort of watched everything and looked over the years. And when the college stood up, you know, I was on the AFIT faculty at the time. So I watched the stand up of strategic forces. And I, I wonder if you could give our listeners a lay down of each of the departments and, you know, so, and they've evolved over time. Could you, you know, the courses they teach and, you know, what are their responsibilities? What are they trying to accomplish with each one of them? And then just to clarify for the listeners who may not know PCE versus PME. So PME, that's your, you know, your year long war college, command and staff college type of a school and PCE are oftentimes made perhaps a one week, eight hour a day intensive course or a two week course, but they tend to be shorter. And like, like you said, George, they, they fill specific gaps in knowledge or understanding and help. And you can, you know, it gives you the opportunity to put a lot more airmen through those schools because they're not, you know, a year long. So you can improve a lot of folks' education and understanding uh, you know, in a given year. So give us that lay down of what the departments are, what courses they offer, what do they do? Okay, great. I'd be glad to do that. I want to start off with, and I think you made a, a good segue into the amount of throughput that we're required, because the first thing you got to think about is what is the pool that you're trying to educate? How many people are there? And in the definitions of the nuclear enterprise and the headquarters Air Force guidance, they give us a list of 
in particular, the nuclear AFSC. So the nuclear enterprise, some people hate that term. Some people like it. It's actually defined in the Air Force. And so we know how many people are in that pool. About 37,000 folks are in the nuclear enterprise, roughly defined. And then we have a subset of that based on guidance that we have to continually educate and or put in that continuing education pipeline, if you will. And um, that number is smaller. However, with any education, especially nuclear, every educated person pays dividends. And so um, as we go through this, we recognize AETC Headquarters Air Force as well as Air Force Global Strike Command as the lead MAGCOM. They are responsible in the Air Force for funding as well as um, uh, oversight of the uh, nuclear enterprise. And that includes the NC-3. They're the lead MAGCOM for NC-3 as well. So to start off, we have the Department of Nuclear Studies, which is located at uh, Kirtland Air Force Base in uh, New Mexico. And that is the oldest one. It is uh, used to be called the Nuclear College. Um, it's been realigned and renamed, really, the Department of Nuclear Studies. And uh, they offer about 11 courses. And their courses are the most mature and have grown over time. In fact, we uh, recently have uh, started a net online course so that uh, students can um, uh, utilize a classified environment to learn, which is always a limitation when you do online courses. And um, so basically we have your a basic uh, course, a fundamentals course, and a uh, intermediate course, sometimes in, a, in an advanced course. In the case of nuclear, also one of the ones that they have is nuclear, what we call 400. So we great, we, we name them uh, uh, from 100 to 400, basically. So when I talk about that, that's kind of the level. The 400 is 06s, colonels, uh, and generals, as well as chief master sergeants. That's all that can go to the 400. And then walking back from that, the more advanced, maybe folks that have been in the nuclear enterprise for seven years, they, they may go to Nuclear 300, which is a week-long course uh, here at Kirtland. Every once in a while, we take it on the road, but some of these courses are difficult to take on the road uh, simply because of the, the teaching elements that we have at Kirtland. At Kirtland Air Force Base, it's kind of the center of nuclear thought in the Air Force. We have the Defense Nuclear Weapons School. We have Sandia National Labs. We have the Air Force Nuclear Weapons Center. We have the Air Force Safety Center. So we have tons of people that can come over and actually teach the classes um, uh, and, and interact with the students. There's also uh, Nuclear 200 which is kind of the, uh, the fundamentals course. It's a week long and it's at Kirtland too. Occasionally we take that on the road. Um, it's, it's logistically difficult to get on the road. So depending on where we're going and how we teach that, um, we, we wanna do that. Now, one of the things we're most proud of in the Department of Nuclear Studies is, as you can imagine, and because it's continuing education and it's not a blocked off year like PME, professional military education, a lot of our, well, all of our students have other jobs. So you have a maintenance uh, troop on the flight line. Well, a lot of times 
we'll have some cancellations perhaps, or some commanders may be um, a little reticent to give up one of their troops that's working and producing sorties and doing the things that you have to do in the Air Force to go TDY to a week-long course. So what we've done is we've answered that need by providing a nuclear 150, which is a two-day course, and also just got approved, um, uh, finally approved last month, a nuclear 100, which is a one-day course. So we can take these courses on the road and we can go to a nuclear operational base and we won't be able to, we'll be able to, to teach your airmen at the appropriate level without taking them away from their primary duties for, for what may be an extended amount of time. So that's pretty exciting. We've also uh, gotten the Department of Nuclear Studies a nuclear advanced nuclear certificate. And um, we're about to award the first ones of those, but going up and getting the academic credentials so that it's a credible certificate, as well as the capstone course, um, we've just started that, um, that's Nuclear 399. So the Department of Nuclear Studies is, is continually trying to engage, continually trying to use um, our online assets to get to more people, because as you know, continuing education, that's always the challenge. And um, so, so those folks are working real hard at advancing all of those courses, as well as to define and help with the scheduling of those courses so that we get the right people, just not the available people. Um, the Department of Nuclear Command Control and Communications Studies. Now, but before you move on, George, let, let me ask you, is as you think about the courses offered, you know, out there at Kirtland, what do you, what's the impact that you hope that as airmen uh, go through, you know, Nuke 100, 200, 300, and then, you know, maybe potentially 400 at some point in their career, what are you wanting them to get out of those courses as they, you know, as they spend that week and, you know, they're in the building, getting briefings, learning, what's the objective? What makes this worthwhile? I, I, I think it's uh that's a great question because most of us, when we come in the military, um, we study our Air Force specialty code and we become an expert, we think, in that code. But what a lot of times we, we focus on is exactly what is in front of us. And those these courses for professional continuing education do two things primarily. One is it provides an underlying basis for the political ramifications for the most powerful weapons on the planet, nuclear weapons. These are different. It's not an F-16 with a JDAM. This is a weapon uh, that is the president's weapon, as we call them, that, that they make policy. And a lot of times when you come in, you're not aware of the impact of what you're doing. So we tie that strategy and that nationalism, that national impact rather, to them at certain levels as they go through their course. So we don't expose too much to someone who's very young and turn in wrenches, but we want them to appreciate it. And the second thing is to realize how large and interconnected the nuclear enterprise is. So if I'm, um, uh, my job is a uh, ICBM 
operator like mine was growing up, do I realize how big of an impact the national labs have on what's on the tip of my intercontinental ballistic missile? Do I realize how policy and all the things that the headquarters Air Force have to come in? So we, we broaden their perspective so that they get to see the larger enterprise. And I said there was only two, but there's always three when you get people together in one class. Everybody always says it. They've said it since... Uh, George Washington probably had the first gathering under uh, Von Steubing at uh, Valley Forge. It's not always what they teach you. It's the students that get to interact and kind of teach each other, and they get to actually interact with people that maybe, you know, in the military we've learned to make fun of or, you know, this, those kind of guys, that kind of guys and gals that we we we, we kind of have the um, interactions but we've never actually interacted with any of them. So that getting together. So that's what we hope to do, but also do that on the level that, that helps that airman at that time in their career. And that's the key to continuing education. For example, you, you wouldn't send a second Lieutenant to air war college. It, it, it would it would be inappropriate. So we have to take those and we introduce those concepts as we go. And then, um, uh, and then in the end is teach them to be not necessarily an advocate for nuclear war, but an advocate for deterrence overall. And to realize that deterrence, while many think is a national policy, deterrence is a human concept. You know, I tell people all the time, we practice deterrence every day. I practice deterrence when I back out of my garage in the morning. And if we realize it and we help them to do that, then they help to, to appreciate what part of the mission we're doing. This episode of Nuclecast is brought to you by the Anwar Deterrence Center, whose mission is to educate Americans about the nuclear enterprise and strategic deterrence. And it's, you know, it's, I don't think we can underscore for a challenging mission. You know, we did a podcast, uh, I don't know, three or four months ago with airmen from, you know, from the Great White North and in Minot. And we talked about, hey, how do you, how do you make Minot a place people, airmen want to come? And so I think part of what that educational mission performs is it, you know, that famous term, it re-blues you to, to help you understand, hey, you know, I might prefer Florida over Minot, North Dakota, but the mission I perform here is one I can't perform anywhere else. And that's an important aspect of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. With it too, when you realize the impact, you know, some of them go to work every day and don't appreciate if they actually screw up their job, somebody has to tell the president. That's a pretty powerful impact for any uh, young airman or officer. When we go to the Department of uh, Nuclear um, uh, Command Control and Communications, NC3, it's down at Barksdale Air Force Base in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. That's also the home of the headquarters of Air Force Global Strike Command. Part of the reason it's there is because in 2016, PAD 1601, Program Action Directive 1601, the Secretary of the Air Force directed that the Air Force Global Strike Command would be the lead MAGCOM for nuclear command control and communications. 
And so as that consolidation of the NC3 weapon system took place, it's only natural that, that the continuing education be there. And they operate in a much um, more nebulous world. There is no technically defined NC3 enterprise. There are um, uh, command post controllers, and they are, of course, the bullseye of that. But once you move out from that bullseye, it becomes very, very nebulous. And I'll just give you an example. You may have a lieutenant colonel serving at Air Force Global Strike Command who is a bomber pilot. And all of a sudden, he is in charge of, of programming money for the, for the NC3 portfolio. And when you look at that, and he's going to say, I know what NC3 is on a B-52, but I don't know what NC3 is anywhere else. Then that person has automatically stepped closer to that bullseye. So then he becomes a, becomes a priority for, um, for nuclear continuing or NC3 uh, continuing education. And so it's, it's, it's not necessarily nuclear. It's NC3. It's a little bit different. It's in the same thing. A lot of the same concepts apply, but because that um, uh, pool of folks we have to educate is a little bit more nebulous, uh, we have to, um, the courses that we offer um, uh have to provide for that focus. It's also a newer school, so there's less courses. And we have found that most people that are in NC3 um, know, like I said before, they know about what's in front of them. They don't know about all the rest. Sometimes they're not cleared to know all the rest when they first come in. And so what we do is we expand that umbrella in a very, in a very consistent way is, is with nuclear is we take that umbrella and we open it up and we show them the things that connect all of NC3, especially since pad 1601, where the air force after probably 25 years designated a lead MAGCOM and designated a lead center, the Air Force Nuclear Weapons Center, for the acquisition and sustainment of NC3 and then making it a weapon system, which it wasn't before. So they they offer uh, three courses, um, uh, NC3 150, which is a two-day course, NC3 200, and NC3 300. And um, those courses... Are, are given 150 mainly on the road, but sometimes 200 and 300 uh, will go, will send them to Offutt Air Force Base where the, um, the, the, um, the NC3 uh, Enterprise Center is located at US Stratcom. So that's, that's one of the things that, that kind of validates our courses is the folks out at Stratcom that are responsible to the chairman for NC3 are using one of our Air Force courses as one of their orientation and uh, introductory courses. And so we're very, we're very proud of that fact as well. Yeah. And then the, it's a, it's a difficult, you know, it's a difficult topic because if you've, I remember I was in uh, one of the general officer officer's office and he had the spaghetti chart of, of, you know, the NC3 system, because it's a system of systems, a hundred plus systems that are all brought together. And then, so having courses 
that walk airmen through, okay, these systems connect, here's how they connect, here's the performance, here's the, you know, and there's some, there's a little bit of physics involved and a little bit of other discussions and, and you get a really good course that helps folks much better understand what I would submit is the most complicated element of the, the nuclear enterprise. Absolutely. And, and especially when people think about what part they play in it. Um, um, you're, you're absolutely right. And so as I talk about how we define that nuclear enterprise or NC3 enterprise pool, that becomes one of the educational challenges. Well, what group are we educating and then what dividends are they getting back? One of the ways that we measure what dividends we're getting back is the course demand has grown exponentially over the years. The number of people asking to go to these classes, the number of people requesting these classes. We've had squadron commanders come and and sit in the class and say, I want you to come to my squadron and teach everybody in my squadron. And so that all sounds good. But from a, a, a supply and demand, that becomes difficult. And we have to prioritize based on the headquarters Air Force guidance and the Air Force Global Strike Command guidance. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the last uh, department that we have is, is one of our most, uh, I guess it's non-standard and non-traditional. It's the um, uh, Academic Partnerships for Nuclear Education. We call it APNI. It is very exciting. Um when you talk about it, because most people turn their head like the RCA dog because they go, really, you can do that? And so APNI is one of those programs that is, uh, I say it's atypical for a couple reasons. One is because you can do it, it's designed, so you apply for it and do it while you also have another job. You're not assigned to do it, you can do it. The other part is the Air Force pays for it. The third part is it's not me, George Farfor, or any of my instructors standing at a podium teaching you. It's actual folks in civilian academic environments, different universities, um, uh, getting either certificates, classes, or degrees up to doctorate degree, master's degrees, master's certificates, in certain fields of study that they may be interested in. And so the first thing people say is, how, how do I get some of that? And um, the, the first thing you have to do is, is apply, is uh, talk to the talent manager for the, for the major command, whatever major command you happen to be in, apply for the talent manager. They will connect you with our folks after you get the requisite approvals, which include, of course, your commander. Your commander needs to to approve that you can do this. And then um, one of the pieces is you have to meet the entry requirements for whatever program you choose. So if you want to go to King's College, if you want to go to Harvard, if you want to go to Missouri State University, you have to meet the entry requirements of those particular academic institutions. Once that happens and you've been approved, then you start taking the courses you first go through the Air Force Institute of Technology. It's their courses, uh, the nuclear weapons uh, program, NUEP, NWEP, that we that we have at AFIT, where 
you get a scientific, if you want to call it that, understanding of the physics of nuclear weapons, and then you go on usually to the more politically uh, political science oriented courses at say King's or Missouri State University, that kind of thing. Um, and those those credits that you get at AFIT are applied towards whatever your degree is or your certificate is. And here's the coolest thing for me, some a guy that came in the Air Force and Strategic Air Command. Uh, the coolest thing for me is let's say you get in this course you take four or five courses and you say, okay, life happens. I can't do it anymore. I'm not going to be able to get my degree. Um, the courses, the, the, the program is designed where we say, great, good luck. You're awesome. And, and we've already paid for it and you don't have to pay it back. The only thing you have to pay back is if you're an officer, there isn't, there is a uh, active duty service commitment. However, the course's design, this is where I think Global Strike Command and its leadership has really put their money where their mouth is. I was in the military for, for uniform service for 37 years, so I got to hear lots of leaders talk about how they wanted to support the mission and support airmen. And there's been precious few programs that actually seem to do that. This is one of those programs where some education is better than no education. And so just saying that is cool and it's a nice little thing, but the leaders have actually paid for this and said, if Airman Adam or, or Lieutenant Adam Lowther wants to go to this course and he doesn't finish it, he's got a two-year active duty service commitment, but he doesn't have to pay anything back and nobody's going to be beating him up to get his master's degree that he said he wanted because we understand some education is better than no education. The other thing, uh, Adam, that's really cool about this program is a lot of military programs we put on a web page, we, we talk about, we put on a PowerPoint brief, and we say, talk to these people, and then, and then you're kind of in, uh, you're lost, you know, you have the, all these, all these uh, forms you have to fill out you've never seen before, and all that kind of thing. The cool thing about APNI is we actually assign one of the people that runs the program at headquarters AFIT in Ohio, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, Ohio, and they walk the student or candidate through every single step so that whenever you're confused, whenever you have an issue, whenever there's something you're not used to, you call up this person and that person walks you through that system. So that's that's pretty cool too. And currently we have, we hadn't really talked about throughput or, or what we're doing, but currently right now we have about 200 students in that program. Last year, uh, we awarded one doctorate degree and several master's degrees. Uh, obviously, as the, the production numbers for that is, is kind of small, but we've got about 200 uh, students in various stages of the APNI program. And that's really Air Force Global Strike Command putting their money where their mouth is. That's the lead MAGCOM for nuclear education. Yeah. Now, we're at that time in the show where I want to bring in Bob, the the genie. And as I rub my magic lamp and Bob pops out now, Bob grants all guests of Nuclecast three wishes, but those wishes have to be related to the topics we've been discussing. And so it's your lucky day, George, you, Bob's going to grant you three, three wishes. So 
you know, you just can't wish for like wealth or world peace or anything like that. It's got to be our topic. So, so what would you wish for? What's your wish number one? My wish number one is I think from, from a continuing education point of view at AFIT, my wish number one would be to have uh, resources uh, consistently applied to our budget so that they are able to to meet the requirements that we've been given. Um, wish number two would be for the Congress to stop passing continuing resolutions and uh, pass a budget so that we could get to that first wish a little bit easier, but it's really hard to advocate for what you need when you're operating under a continuing resolutions and its limitations. And I think the third wish um, from my point of view would be that um, the students that go through nuclear and NC3 continuing education and APNE are appreciated for the things that they learn in the in the broader Air Force, and that there was a greater recognition of the efforts of the folks in the departments that work for the School of Strategic Force Studies. We get a lot of recognition and a lot of awards within Air Education and Training Command. That's our mission. That's what we do. But I think from the broader Air Force, I would love it if... Um, if the greater Air Force kind of had an appreciation for the work and the diligence of the folks that work in, in nuclear education. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Unfortunately, though, we are out of time. So I want to thank you, Colonel Farfor, for joining us on this episode of Nuclecast. Well, thank you very much. It was a privilege and an honor to be here and represent the School of Strategic Force Studies at AFIT. And thanks to you, the listeners, and we'll see you on the next episode. You know, it's always good to talk to George you know, prior to his retirement, I don't know, a year ago or less. He was the senior colonel in the Air Force. And so, as you can imagine, that means that he has been around a, a long time and you know was was in the Air Force for much of the, you know, for all of the you know, the change where we stood down SAC, we stood up STRATCOM, you know, he was a missileer, so he saw all, you know, missiles go to Space Command. And, and then now, having seen all of the things that sort of precipitated the creation of all this education, uh, it's good to now see him, you know, running that education and given his passion and experience, because, you know, it's education born from experience. And so it's, uh, it's good to see it's there. Hopefully you learned sort of, you know, how the air force is educating folks and maybe it spurs you to think about what, you know, you need to do, whether you work at, whether you're Navy or whether you're, you know, uh, DOE or wherever your company. Um, so it's, uh, it's useful and it makes a difference that kind of continuing education. This has been a production of the ANWA Deterrence Center. Our executive producer is Kimberly Charrington, and this episode has been engineered and mixed by David Grunthal. Follow the show on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter at NucleCast. Listen 
follow and review the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.